Casper's most sparkling sale of the season is here. This summer, dive into your best sleep and save up to $600 off any of our award-winning mattresses during our 4th of July sale. And get up to 50% off pillows, duvets, bedding, and more. Make summer sleep your best sleep with up to $600 off mattresses and up to 50% off everything else. Shop our 4th of July sale at Casper.com or a participating store near you. Going on now through 713. Exclusion supply. See Casper.com slash promo. Those big wireless companies try to lure you in with a new phone just to lock you into a contract. Not Simple Mobile. If you have a great smartphone you love, you can get a powerful nationwide 5G network without the contract. Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone's compatible. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Message and data rates may apply. Visit simplemobile.com slash privacy policy for privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions. Compatible 5G capable device and SIM required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. 5G upload speeds not yet available. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer. Restrictions apply. following program is intended for immature audiences only. Don't think, just listen. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Hi, everybody. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and welcome to Online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM, also on Fayette TV Channel 77, and streaming live at italknet.com. As we broadcast live from the Phil Giannetti Motors Studios, high atop High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, Phil Giannetti Motors selling pre- Let's see that, Children, don't try this at home. I claim to be a professional selling quality pre owned vehicles for over 52 years. Give Chip a call at 724 785 6800. Hope everything's going fine for you. Well, tonight we're doing part two of a, uh, actually, I thought it was a one part interview until I realized we got through the whole show and he never talked to me about what he was supposed to be on the show about. So. Right now on the phone line, we have Warren Schroger. Warren, how are you doing this evening? I'd rather have shingles. <laughs> so last week on the show, uh, we were... I got better. I got better things to do. I uh, have to pet my cat and uh, vacuuming to do, and uh, I'd rather go to bed. It's like ten. I said last time. It's 10.30 at night. You don't need to vacuum this late at night. Anyway, um, so last yeah. last week on the program, we were talking, and you said you were going to spend three minutes on your career, and then we were going to talk about Jib on the Web, and we ended up talking the whole hour about your career because you remembered a lot more than you thought you did. Well, you prompted me, and yes, it was... Uh and nearly, I guess, 40 years of career, so there was a lot of stuff. The trouble is I had no, um, I don't know, nothing really compelling. 
No, that's uh, no no highlight. Uh, I had certain uh, accomplishments that I felt good about, but uh, no great stardom, no uh, no no. Uh, um, oh, I can't think of the word. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that's a, that's the problem with my memory. I lose it uh, before it comes out of my mouth. Uh, I had uh, no special, uh, compelling uh, highlights. I had a good career in radio, and uh, that was it. And that's probably a lot more than a lot of people, ladies and gentlemen, uh, encounter in radio careers. It's one of those businesses with lots of ups and downs, and I had mostly ups. Well, my my thought is Until if you the could, end. my thought is if you could retire from it, then you had a good career. Um, most people well, have actually had, been no, had, forced out of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I I kind of, yes, I uh, uh, ushered myself out at the end uh, when I find uh, I was just um, the oldest person on the air staff and maybe in the entire staff of, uh, uh, of the station, uh, including management. And, uh, you know, I was getting tired of sitting in studios, looking at the clock. The la- one of the last jobs I had was in smooth jazz and I would sit there kind of reclined in the studio chair, looking at the clock on the wall and uh, hoping that the end of the shift would come sooner than it would. And you right. know, when that happens, as you might be well aware of, when that happens, uh, it's kind of a signal that uh, you got to move on to something else. I was tired of the, being captive in a studio. I look back at now and I would say, geez, if I, you know, occasionally uh, did it, uh, now I, you know, uh, like to go in once a month, do a radio show, and then Leave and come back a month later, right. something like that. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, not uh, going to happen. <laughs> and uh, it, but the next best thing has happened. I uh, put together a uh, uh, recreation of a radio station that operates out of my home in Florida. Which so I can uh, roll out of bed and deal with it. <laughs> which to me, I think, um, and there's a lot of stations like that now. Um, of and I and I want to say this: former radio people that have left the industry in some way, shape, or form, but still feel feel this need to be on the air. Maybe not to the large audience they had before, but just to somebody. And I've talked to a couple of those people recently on this program. And I find it fascinating that you decided to actually recreate a station that you worked at. And what year was it you worked at, Jib? Uh, I worked at WJIB, an FM-only station, beginning in 1968. And I was there for the first term until 1981. Okay. Then uh, away for a couple or four years or something. And I went, and I, here's where I'm also kind of hazy on it is um, uh, how I wound up back there 
for a short period of time as a part-timer here after a long 13 years of a, uh, well, I wasn't, I was part-time to begin with, so maybe um, uh, 11 years of full-time work there and establishing myself. And then I came back as a part-timer working on weekends. Okay. Because I was just kind of cobbling together various jobs. Uh, so I'm a little hazy on that um, part. Uh, things had changed, of course, with management, and I seem to recall uh, there was new equipment um, in the interim had been changed, but uh, not much beyond that. Um, uh, so I recreated the station because it was the uh, the one I spent the most time at, in, in one single station, and uh, got to know intimately the format. And I also worked elsewhere in the beautiful music or uh, easy listening format, as it was known, and it was quite popular. It was uh, in many markets across the country. It was the number one format or the number station that playing beautiful music or easy listening was number one in the market. In uh, certainly in uh, twelve plus demographics, which is total audience, uh, maybe not so much in the younger side of the uh, the audience. Uh, certainly wouldn't be. Right. But when that uh, uh, beautiful music started at WJIB, there was uh, a a larger younger audience. Why? Because it wasn't competition in soft music on FM radio. Um, soft rock hadn't come along, or soft jazz, or, you know, <laughs> nothing was, it was classical music, and there was simulcast of AM stations on FM, and there were a smattering of rock stations and country, perhaps, but there was nothing really soft and um, easy to listen to for studying, as we used to hear from college students that loved it because it was easy for them to put on and not be just so distracted. Right. Uh, so it had a pretty pretty substantial younger audience at the outset. Of course, that diminished as FM developed and uh, new formats came along that were uh, softer and uh, uh, more appealing to the younger end of the demographic. So um, it, it did. Uh, it was a mass appeal format. Now it's a niche, man, because the bulk of the audience are either dead <laughs> or quite elderly, uh, or um, those that uh, may not be in that circumstance uh, are devoted fans. Right. Just as there are fans of rock music and blues and jazz and classical, there are super fans of easy listening music. Now, today, easy listening connotates a whole bunch of other things, too. And that's what I was uh, going to ask you. 50 years ago, yeah, 50 years ago, easy listening was um, what was uh, derogatorily called elevator music. Right. Uh, just to be played in the background with uh, orchestra instrumentals and little or no vocals. And uh, playing old standards and show tunes and the like. 
Uh, nowadays, easy listening can be any format that has softer versions of whatever is part of that format. Okay. There's easy country, easy, easy jazz, light this, light that. So uh, the easy listening to somebody 30 years old might be, uh, um, I don't know, something out of the 80s or 90s that's softer. Uh, and uh, it used to be, uh, you know, artists like um, Air Supply and Barry Manilow and Billy Joel that weren't a part, at least initially, of our instrumental easy listening of long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually came about in the 1970s, and that was a whole new um, soft uh, sound that was more contemporary. So, uh, so, just to clarify, the easy listening or beautiful music that I'm talking about, it's instrumental-based, mainly uh, string orchestras, and uh, with occasional vocals. Okay, so you're looking at this, the, the I, I'll use the term, the heyday of the beautiful music you're talking about would have been late 60s, early 80s, in that in that. Uh, 10 to 15 year time frame? Uh, well, at least it could have, it, it really, the downfall came in the early nineties. Okay. Uh, late eighties, early nineties. And, um, so it was uh, roughly 20 year okay. period, uh, a rise probably peaked in the, um, late seventies, you know, 10 years in and then 10 years slow decline. Done. Okay. That's, that's pretty accurate. Because um, when you when you think when you think of beautiful music, like you said, FM, um, the FM dial was very new at the time when it started. Not a lot of not a lot of uh, organizations were investing in the FM dial because they thought the only people that listened to the FM dial were kids, and kids had no money. So everything was on the AM, which gave you the license to put beautiful music, which in some ways some could say was an experimental format taking that stuff that was, as you said, background music and actually making a format out of it. Yes. Um, uh, it really, really is something altogether different than what we knew as Muzak, right. which was a brand name of background music, which was really a bland, environmental, atmospheric thing and not familiar melodies being played softly in the background. Um, beautiful music was actually a, 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 a expression uh, applied to easy listening of this instrumental-based format by Jim Schulke, who was one of the pioneers of beautiful music or easy listening syndication. And uh, his he encouraged his clients of his uh, beautiful music format to use that term rather than easy listening initially. Okay. So that's how it got its uh, start. And in the uh, Arbitron, the, for the ratings, you'd see the stations that played that kind of thing listed as BM diagonal EZ. Beautiful oh. music, easy listening. Okay. And with with the uh, the, the beautiful music, um, 
Is there an audience other than this niche audience? Do you think there would be an audience today if someone had enough guts to put it on an FM station? Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a a, a low-power FM yeah. or an HD channel? Yes. Okay. Uh, I could see that. I don't think anybody wants to, first of all, the people who operate these stations are uh, born after easy listening died. Yeah, that's true. You're <laughs> and, right. Uh, right. And so e- even back in the day when uh, it was, uh, act- well, when it was in decline, there were uh, uh, the sales staff of stations that I worked at were young, might have been younger than me. And... They didn't connect with the format of the station. Uh, they couldn't really uh, champion it or get behind it because it wasn't their cu- their cup of tea. Uh, I remember going out into the uh, parking lot of the station I was operations manager of, uh, Easy Listening Station, and looked at the where the dials were set on the radios. This okay. was in the 1980s. And... Most of them were set on another station. <laughs> I, uh, I brought that up at a meeting. Well, one of the reasons was that they were supposed to monitor other stations. Right, okay. To, to, listen, to listen for the ads so that they could approach those same clients, you know, see who was buying time on what station. Uh, but um, secondarily, in some of the cases maybe, was that they didn't like it. <laughs> Well, so it's hard to motivate a sales staff if they don't like the product. Right, I understand. And that, that was a too. big problem. Um, what right. I think is interesting. So, about... uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Disconnect here between the, the between the sales staff and the programming, and uh, usually, eventually, uh, the uh, general manager or the station owner or the the chief uh, troublemaker says, uh, we got to make money here, and uh, we can't do it if the sales staff isn't producing. So uh, that was one of the big reasons. Uh, the, of course, the, the demographic was aging, so even though there was a big audience, it was not the right target for most advertisers. Okay. Because um, I could see... End of- Beautiful I can, music. I can see your advertisers being the high high end um, automobiles. Um, anything that I mean, because to me, beautiful music, and it's maybe my mindset and maybe my age, because I'm in my uh, early to mid fifties, is more of a luxury type brand would go with beautiful music because they're more f- sophisticated people listening to it. And I could have well, yes. Uh, that- that was true, yes. There were upscale uh, automobiles and uh, furniture, you know, the big furniture stores, uh, um, department stores, you know, so forth. Uh, there, yes, that was uh, core of the clientele of beautiful music stations. Uh, restaurants, upscale restaurants. Right. Locally. And I wouldn't be surprised um, that those, those places were actually playing the station in the background, too. Uh, yeah, that uh, early on, that was 
uh, could very well have been the case. But then the licensing, ASCAP and BMI got into the picture and they said, geez, you you can't do this. You can't play uh, our, you can't be uh, piping music into your store or restaurant through the uh, uh, ceiling speakers uh, without uh, uh, proper uh, uh, licensing yes. of it. And uh, that became uh, a bigger and bigger problem for easy listening because that was a common thing to do. And um, when the axe fell on that, either you had to pay the uh, uh, royalties fees, the rest or the business, or you could eliminate the um, speakers that might be throughout the, uh, the store or the restaurant uh, and just have one, uh, a, a single radio at uh, in, say, the lobby. Right. That was okay. Yeah. Uh, that could be for the enjoyment of whoever was sitting at the front desk. Uh, for instance, or uh, in the case of a restaurant, just uh, you know, uh, a personal radio on a desk was yeah. okay to have. So you started to see stores, especially where the cash register was, uh, a radio right. playing uh, WJIB or the easy listening music. And even though it could be heard elsewhere in the uh, store, it was okay as far you didn't have to by uh, the license to rebroadcast uh, the, the music. Uh, but it did, uh, you know, they did crack down on that beginning in the early, in, I should say in the mid-70s, because of the popularity of beautiful music being used uh, over the air. And uh, in, in place of Muzak, or in place of a, uh, what was... Uh, broadcast on subcarriers um, for other services providing background music that you had to pay for. Now, are there um, still beautiful music stations out there today? There's one here in Florida. They wouldn't call themselves that. Okay. Um, they call it Modern Easy Favorites, and it's a mix of jazz Show tunes, soft rock, uh, a little bit of instrumental-based beautiful music, and um, a little occasional, and I've heard it, it's kind of out of place, uh, light classical music, stuff the Boston Pops would play. Okay, something people would be familiar summer concert. With. Gotcha. Because yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an odd mix. It's like six different formats in one, and I don't know how it works because that that goes against all common <laughs> thought or now, knowledge of uh, formatting a radio station. Is it a commercial station or is it a nonprofit? Oh yes, no, it's a commercial station with a big signal. So they they're still around. I think there's one out in Arizona too. Um, but they do a whole new uh, brand of easy listening. Okay. Uh, what Jib on the web is is old school. 
going back and using and playing and mixing in those uh, early, beautiful music, easy listening, instrumental artists. The orchestras, best known ones are like uh, uh, Montevani and Percy Faith, the Living Strings, and the European ones, Paul Moriart and James Last. Uh, there's this whole world of instrumental-based um, uh, elevator music, so to speak, that exists and have uh, 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 their own stars. Uh, m many of them were European-based uh, uh, conductors leading their own orchestras. James Last is a, a German orchestra leader. Okay. And Paul Mariotta, French orchestra leader, for instance. And they have huge worldwide fans. So still to this day. So some because I'm I'm actually on the website right now and I and I see what I'm familiar with because I have a few of their albums that I share on my program occasionally. But the Longines Symphonet Orchestra. Um, the, which I'm going. That's a watch company. What are they doing playing music? Uh, the Royal. Well, yeah. Well, they they uh, cobble together um, these uh, box sets. Yes. Of instrumental and also uh, group vocal recordings, probably made. My best guess is that they were made in London, because it was much less expensive to record there uh, than the United States, even back in the 1960s, and when most or all of these uh, box sets uh, that eventually came out from Reader's Digest as well, they were very popular. And um, uh, so the Longjing Symphonet, uh, of course, that was the name they uh, uh, marketed under. The recordings were made in a studio, likely, like I said, in London, by... Uh, a studio orchestra. They they did, they certainly didn't have a uh, a fan base, right? Although people who bought the box sets might have been fans of that genre of music, but not necessarily the orchestra, because it was a no name uh, orchestra recorded overseas and uh, just just for the that one recording set or the series of recording sessions, not to perform for the public. And, and, uh, and, and so that's you know that's what that's all about. And as I look, but, but there were there, there were uh, uh, like Paul Marriott, the aforementioned, and James Last. They did have uh, touring orchestras and uh, did shows, and uh, so they were the real thing. Uh, and they brought their music to live concerts, not just recorded them in a studio and that was the end of that and and a lot of the music you may not be familiar with the song but you're probably familiar with the performer percy faith burke kemfort uh paul marriott uh you had the boston pops like you said uh hugo winterhalter uh let's see who else is in here i'm looking at just real quick um the london pops the living strings royal hamilton's orchestra the hollywood symphony so they they weren't uh, they weren't um, all unknown. Most of them did have some type of reputation, at least in the United States. It may not have been a mainstream reputation, but they had one because you heard their music in TV and movies. 
a lot of times. Whenever... Uh, right, uh, right. I'm looking here. Uh, there's Henry Mancini, of course, right. the big names: Henry Mancini, Tony Matola, uh, Ronnie Aldrich, who's an English uh, piano player, but uh, uh, sold millions of mm-hmm. records. Melacrino, you know, they they sold records back in the 1960s and uh, into the 70s. Uh, numerous of those fellows uh, had uh, uh, died, succumbed by the uh, 1980s. The older ones, Percy Faith, for instance, I think died in the late 70s. Andre Costellanitz again in the late 70s. Um, but uh, and for for some time uh, they were still able to issue uh, albums with their names because they had uh, inventory that hadn't been released. Right. So for a while that was happening, and then then they were reissuing uh, uh, and recompiling their albums and reissuing, and that got tiresome, no doubt. And uh, so the the end of an era of the um, commercially available beautiful music recording artists came in the 1980s okay for sure so so what had to happen was there had to be a way to to replace that stuff and that's where the custom music came in that was commissioned by the various syndicators Shulky and Bonneville and TM and so forth, um, they commissioned recordings uh, by orchestras. Uh, and again, uh, a lot of it was done in Europe for uh, uh, cost purposes. Okay. And uh, that became, that actually began to infiltrate beautiful music in the late 70s, mid to late 70s. And Eventually, in the 80s, it became, uh, it started to dominate that music, which was uh, in London, primarily, uh, or in uh, studios here in the United States. Uh, I think uh, uh, a few of them were done here. Um, uh, Was starting to become uh, the principal sound of the station, and gone were the or, or at least on a reduced frequency, the uh, Melacrino Orchestra and the Mantovani Orchestra and Percy Faith and the Living Springs. That was diminishing, and up was coming this new stuff with more modern arrangements and newer songs, too, that uh, were kind of uh, current for the day. And uh, so the sound of beautiful music was changing. Because of that, it was becoming, you know, they call it fresher, uh, more up to date, but it was corrupting the original old school beautiful music. Right. Uh, at the same time. You're listening to WMCK.FM and also watching us on Fayette TV Channel 77, and we're streaming live at italknet.com, and we're in the Phil Giannetti Motors studio. Phil Giannetti's providing quality vehicles for over 52 years. Give Chip a call at 724-785-6800. What I think is really interesting about a lot of this, and I have a couple myself, is whenever they start covering 
famous artists of the time, such as the Beatles, as I look at Guitars Unlimited doing Obla D, Obla Da, and trying to <laughs> draw a young, I don't know if they're trying to draw a younger audience to the music, or they're just realizing that there's going to be other people listening to it in different locations, and they're trying to appeal to everybody, at least for that brief moment in time. Well, your example is a, a, a little off. That <laughs> Obla Di Obla Da is kind of a novelty song, uh, but the uh, the Beatles, along with many other groups of the right. '60s and the '70s, wrote very melodic music that was easily transferable to instrumental to to an orchestral sound, and of course, uh, jazz artists picked up on it as well. So, a song like "And I Love Her." Uh, I, there may be a 20 different versions, substantive versions of it in the uh, beautiful music genre um, with uh, all kinds of uh, different interpretations. And so uh, one of the, one of the uh, uh, bases for determining what works in beautiful music is the expression, all about the melody. The, the song has to have a melody. Okay. If you don't know the name of the song, you you recognize the melody. Yes. And you say, oh, yeah, I've heard that song before. And that strikes a note with the listener, and they, they like it. If it's a mystery song, um, an unknown song that's just played nicely and has strings in it, like, uh, say, something from a movie soundtrack that's just really un just underscore, uh, that's not going to work because that's not a familiar song. It may have a pleasant melody, but not a familiar song. Both things have to work together. It has to be uh, melodic and it has to be familiar. Uh, Jib on the Web violates that sometimes when uh, <laughs> there's a title... A title that may not be familiar, but boy, it sounds like such and such. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, works in the beautiful music formula. Uh, but that's, that's critical. I've heard um, too many other internet beautiful music stations that are playing mystery songs. And I said, gee, you know, it's very pleasant. It's not offensive, but I don't know what that is. What? I never heard it before. Well, I'm looking at it right now, and I see Burt Kempford playing Rhinestone Cowboy, and then, uh, what's it, oh. Bocciatelli <laughs> and his orchestra playing Ricky, Don't Lose That Number. Uh, <laughs> I would have never thought that would be covered. I don't know what you're looking at. I don't... <laughs> You must uh, you must be looking at uh, yesterday's show. I don't see it here. <laughs> it's it was at sixteen oh two. So I'm looking at going, okay. But again, a lot of this stuff, like you said, as long as it has a melody to it and it's familiar, and you you can put it to strings, and it's actually enjoyable. And sometimes I'd rather hear it that way. I mean, a great performer that that everybody's familiar with, even though they don't think they are, is Roger Williams, who has stuff everywhere. Um, but the thing I want to ask you now, do you have announcers on the station, or is it just you, or how is this working? Uh, there are announcers. Of course, it's entirely voice track. There's okay. no live announcing. There's no show, live show. And all of the announcers are former WJIB announcers. 
who are still breathing. Still, that, well, I was going to ask <laughs> you all, that. Uh, older gentlemen. Uh, we had no female announcers. Really? In all the years I worked there, no female announcers. And uh, you couldn't get away with, with that today, but uh, that's, that's the way it was. Uh, so all these guys are uh, uh, into their 70s now, and they have home studios or borrow somebody's home studios okay. and email in their um, or Dropbox in their, uh, their voice tracks, and it works very nicely. And I write the uh, scripts for them to record, very carefully craft them. They're not just uh, casually done. And I think that's, uh, to me, I think there's nobody doing that. Running a radio station with a former staff. Which is impressive. Um, right. Uh, or, or at least uh, whoever's uh, still available to do it. Uh, that that's one of the things that distinguishes Jib on the web from other beautiful music slash easy listening internet stations is that uh, not only we have the original announcers who were on the air in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but we uh, also use the uh, uh, striking of the bell of the USS Constitution, the authentic bell. Okay. I was lucky enough to get a pretty clean copy of the bell, which I recorded uh, somewhere in back in the 1970s on a quiet Sunday morning uh, on the uh, deck of the USS Constitution uh, uh, moored in Boston Harbor. And we had a... Uh, I forget what microphones. We rented microphones because we didn't have the appropriate mics for the recording. We did have what was considered a portable professional recorder then. It was a Sony 770. And that uh, was a two-track professional portable. But we, it was heavy. So we lugged that out there. We got one of the ship's mates to ring the bell and um, got enough takes of it. And, and that was... Uh, to this day is a uh, signature of that station that is remembered by people who heard it all those years ago and identified. What a what a, a moniker, what, oh, yes. what a signature that was. Very powerful. And so uh, every hour at the top of the hour, we ring the bell of the Constitution, and it signifies the time. Six bells is... Uh, well, some uh, multiple hours. Uh, for instance, three, seven, and eleven is six bells. Okay. Uh, do I have it right? Yeah, and uh, and so forth. Eight is uh, four, eight, and twelve. Uh, right, and and so forth. Okay. So um, the the striking of the bell on the top of the hour and the hornpipe on the bottom of the hour, and that was the other signature that was used at the station from day one. So how did you convince these guys to voice track this? Because they were, like you said, they're all in their 70s. They're probably all retired. I mean, what convinced them to do this for you? Well, they thought it was a good idea. And um, for the most part, they all sound pretty much like they did <laughs> way back. I, uh, 
uh, even myself, I think I'm, I think I sound more more polished than I did okay. 40 years ago. But my voice still has the same sort of timbre. And same with the other guys. They're all, they didn't lose it. They, they're all still polished broadcasters. In one case, one of the guys went on to be uh, a television news anchorman in a couple of big markets. And uh, the rest of us uh, had jobs in radio uh, for uh, either were at WJIB FM till the end or moved on to other places and uh, now are retired. So uh, convincing them uh, wasn't too hard. Getting the, them to send in the voice tracks in a timely fashion is. <laughs> was, uh, uh, between uh, the grandkids and health problems right. and being on vacation and equipment failures and who knows what, and noise outside, you know, construction equipment or who knows what, uh, the, the guys can't turn them around right away. A couple of, couple of them do it pretty quickly because they're all set up. So you're pretty much following the exact format or you are following the exact format of Jib on the Web? Well, uh, here's where the exceptions are. There's no news, the okay. two-minute newscast that uh, was just before the top of each hour. There's, there are no commercials which consisted of up to eight minutes per hour, and uh, which was another problem for the sales department, you know, inventory. Eight minutes is not much time. Right, yeah. Especially uh, when they want to all buy at this you know, morning drive or midday. You know, eight minutes is not much room for a lot of business. Uh, and also, there's no public affairs program. In the case of WJIB, they ran a half-hour community affairs program on Sundays. And uh, other than that, it's pretty much it's the same. identical. Okay. Right. The music, however, the music is broader because I'm including anything from the earliest days of stereo that still conforms to the right formula for um, beautiful music, right up until uh, uh, recordings that are made uh, in the 2000s. And uh, some of them are not um, real orchestras. They might be synthetic orchestras, but sound very real. Okay. Uh, there might be a it might be a, a real soloist, a pianist, or a, uh, a sax player or a brass player playing along with a synthesized track that doesn't really smack of electronica. Okay, now where are you pulling most of your music from? Because of course it's going to have to be digital for you to be able to put this on. Are you are you able to get the digital copies? Are you converting your own music? How are you doing that? Well, both. Mostly is digital. You know, uh, a lot of this stuff was reissued on CD. Right. The vinyl, you know, there's, going back to Percy Faith, probably all of his albums have been reissued. All the mono albums from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s uh, and now they have become stereo. Um, 
uh, probably reissued on CD, and maybe a couple of times. And uh, that goes uh, the same for all the major name orchestra leaders of the era. And then the same for the European ones. Europe had a special fondness for this kind of music, and it still exists today. Um, There's always been a large European following for orchestral string orchestras playing um, uh, standards or current hits. They, of course, that uh, doesn't do any good, didn't do any good back in the day for uh, AM or FM stations here in the United States. But it, the popularity um, of beautiful music was much larger outside the United States. And, and, and to me, I don't know if that's surprising to me or I kind of expected that. But again, with the whole idea of being one of the very few formats on FM in the, in the 60s, I can't see why the format wasn't bigger than it actually was. Well, it, it, it was big uh, before you were born, maybe. Or, or well, when you were I was, in born, diapers, the mid, I was but, born in the mid-60s. I wasn't paying that much attention to it, but right. still. Right. Right. Your parents and grandparents heard the, uh, the local beautiful music stations. Right. Yeah, and... and they covered any certainly uh, you're in the Pittsburgh area there was there was that sort of station there for and for more than one for sure uh, for many years um, getting back to the music uh, there are sources there are corners of the internet uh, to where you can find everything and I when I first started out on this project I said how am I going to find all this music you know to make it uh, viable and it's out there, maybe more so than it ever was before. Don't have to be going around scrounging to record stores to find this stuff. Yeah, I was going to yes, ask I you about have, that. I have transferred where, where there would never, there are some hard-to-find albums that I have transferred from vinyl. I either purchased on eBay or found them in uh, Goodwill right. or in used record stores. I hunt for that stuff, and uh, <laughs> I was at one not too long ago, and uh, I saw a bunch of easy listening albums outside in a box, and the guy said to me in the store, he said, oh, somebody dropped that off. We don't want that. You can take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so off I went, and uh, you know, I got some good stuff out of that, but I transferred it from vinyl to uh, digital, and I clean it up um, with uh, the software that's been around for a long time, Cool Edit Pro and Adobe Audition. Uh, takes the clicks and pops out, and uh, it's beautiful. Technology is a wonderful thing. Yeah, I, I do the same uh, thing, and- which drives my wife crazy, because when she goes out shopping, I go with her and hit every thrift store I possibly can, and then I buy vinyl, and then I bring it home and just listen to it by myself. As I'm looking at three box sets I got the other day for 78 cents a piece, I was like seventh heaven whenever <laughs> I bought those. Um, because, again, the, the, it, it's... The, the down- it, the downside of the technology is that um, uh, radio studios don't look like the way we 
I remember them, or you remember them, right. with reel to reel tape equipment and the processing equipment. Um, you know, certainly uh, present day uh, radio studios have a microphone and uh, control board, and the rest are computers. Right. Gone are all the uh, familiar accoutrements of old radio stations that we hold so dear in our memory. Which, which is a uh, shame. However, however, the technology allows that wall of automation equipment that was used uh, to play beautiful music formats as well as others is no longer necessary. Uh, that wall of automation that costs tens of thousands of dollars can be accomplished and more powerfully so by a $90 refurbished used laptop computer. Yeah, which is amazing to me. Which is, which is amazing and that you're able to hold all that in that computer. And, and a, um, I have automation software and uh, programming software that uh, costs a total of four hundred dollars. Wow! There, there, there's some software for that purpose out there that costs close to that a month yep. to lease. <laughs> so, so uh, that, that's a that is a wonderful thing, and beautiful music works wonderfully in the automation mode. You know, it never, it really wasn't a personality driven format. It was mood driven, mm -hmm. uh, not hip driven. Uh, and it didn't need the assistance of a disc jockey um, to bring personality to it. Uh, it just had to be a, a friend, friendly, well-spoken, and of course, I mentioned before, uh, gentlemen no women were doing easy listening <laughs> in the 60s or 70s. Maybe, I shouldn't say none, uh, it probably was rare if right. there were any. So, uh, I, I think uh, women started to appear in the 80s more and more on beautiful music. So you, when you set this up, you're pretty much available on every platform there is out there, correct? That people can listen to it. Uh, yes, uh, on uh, certainly directly through the website on a desktop and through the aggregator apps, uh, Simple Radio, for okay. instance, and MyTuner and VTuner and Online Music Box. They are aggregators of Internet radio stations. And um, if uh, we're in the directory, which we are of those, um, you search for Jib on the web and it'll come up and you can save it as a favorite now the big one tune in not there why because tune in is not taking on any stations uh new stations any longer really and it, it, yeah i i, I kind of don't understand that um they, they they just won't uh add new stations to their directory you can listen on the tune in app if you have the uh Screen URL okay. and you put it in your favorites and save it there, so you can use the TuneIn app, but it's not in the directory. So well, it's just um, easier to use one of those that are 
carry Jim on the in the web in their directory. Well, I think the best place to listen to it because this is where I was listening to it the other day is on my Amazon Echo when I asked it to be played on there, and I'm going, that's great because it can play in the background, and it's just enough that you can hear it without. Um, hear it and enjoy it without it uh, distracting from other things that you're doing. Uh, yes, uh, that's the future of everything is um, smart speakers, right? Yeah. Uh, we get lazier and lazier. First, uh, <laughs> long ago, uh, when I was a kid, we got our first remote control TV with the clicker. You know, it was a mechanical thing. Yeah. That, it, it, it made a clicking noise when you press the button on the remote and there was a mechanical uh, motor in the TV that moved the channel selector. Uh, that gave way to, of course, uh, infrared uh, digital remotes. Um, so and, and so we got lazier in television, didn't want to get up to change the channel. Now we can get lazy about everything, turning on lights, uh, uh, selecting your radio station, no need for... A t- Fiddling with a tuner and right. a dial is just say, in this case, um, because there is uh, no uh, uh, jib on the web on TuneIn, you have to say, Alexa, ask Simple Radio to play jib on the web. Because uh, it uh, alerts the Simple Radio skill, which carries the jib on the web program. Which again, to me, uh, is if we were on TuneIn, uh, if, if we were on TuneIn, it wouldn't. You wouldn't have to say, uh, "Ask TuneIn." You would just say, "Alexa, play jib on the jib web. on the web." Yeah, but but we're not. Which again is um, which is interesting to me that TuneIn's not accepting anybody new in their directory, which I find odd. Actually, I find that very odd because uh, my program <laughs> is on the TuneIn. In the TuneIn directory, which is because I started the program a long, long, long time ago, and I was one of the first podcasts in there, so I find that interesting. But uh, and we just yeah, reused so it. yeah, so everybody yeah, right. It, it they started that a, probably a couple of years ago, two years ago. Yeah, because uh, uh, why? Well, uh, it, they're probably getting flooded, and it was becoming unwieldy for them to handle all these stations somehow, and. Uh, there could be a lot of dead links. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. They uh, I, may, I guess they, they have to. They have to check for that. And I, and that's what I'm wondering if they're going to open it up because I can see them putting it on a waiting list and say, okay, we're going to clean up so many links and then let so many new ones in. That or they're trying to see how many stations are not fly by fly by night organizations that are only there for two weeks um, and there for a longer period. Yeah, that of time. that could have been that could have been happening. You know. Um, uh, it, we don't know the whys and wherefores yeah. of such businesses. <laughs> I don't get it paid enough to figure it out either. But uh, I find it interesting that that you've been doing this. Now, Jib on the Web has been online for how long now? I uh, went online in March of last year, so add that up. A uh, year and four months. Four months. And... Uh, no one said it couldn't be done, but it was it did get done. I actually uh, it um, was four months of building a suitable library 
of music before I launched it. And uh, that was about 2,000 tracks. It is now 9,000. Wow. Uh, it's probably more tracks than were played uh, by the original syndicators, because there's more material for one thing. Of course, yeah. Uh, Now we're talking tracks, we're not talking about different songs. You know, like I said, there might be uh, 20 different versions of Stardust. Right. (laughs) And different instrumentations. And so it's not 9,000 different songs. Uh, I, I was thinking the other day, it says, um, yeah, we keep repeating the same 9,000 different songs every day. Not every day. <laughs> <laughs> that station's repeating the same 9,000 songs. So how many hard drives are you holding all this music on? How many? Yeah. One. Really? You... Uh, of course, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a backup. There's... Okay. Um, there's a couple of backups. Uh, one's not current, but there's a daily backup. Okay. There's one, uh, you know, this, they're not, uh, I had to concede to MP3. Uh, uh-huh. I couldn't deal with WAV files. It was just uh, too, too much, uh, it's too much time to load and save and edit and, um, uh, big wave files right so i had to concede that you know nine thousand tracks stations that are doing wave wave files might have a thousand yeah you know and they're rotating a thousand songs um or a couple of thousand but uh i had to uh concede that and so we are violating um uh the purest um concept of beautiful music which was a, a, a leading marketing uh, approach that was used long ago that the uh, processing was minimal uh-huh. and that the uh, mastering of these uh, recordings, uh, transfers from vinyl to tape, were done with the uh, highest degree of sophistication and the best equipment available of the day, and it was. Um, but look at what people are listening on now. Oh, I know. Yeah. Earbuds. Yeah. Right. And the average person um, can't tell the difference anyhow. Right. And I certainly can't. My uh, hearing is not uh, anywhere near. In fact, I have hearing aids that uh-huh. uh, I have to wear to understand human voice. And music is certainly affected as well. Right. Uh, but so so the uh, we're not listening on our big hi-fi systems like FM radio used to be mm-hmm. done long ago in its early years. Um, we're listening on Bluetooth speakers, on smart speakers, on earbuds, headphones, um, uh, car radios. So um, that uh, stereophile or audiophile sound that was Part of the beautiful music format is not so compelling anymore. Right. Uh, of course, make it uh, as good as can be. And to tell you the truth, I <laughs> I don't have the capability or the difference or what's missing in an MP3 uh, versus a, a WAV file. Yeah, I can't either. Never did. 
Well, Warren, we took up another hour of time. I really appreciate it. And going in depth about the whole idea of beautiful, beautiful music and jib on the web.com. Next time I have you on, we're going to talk about your beetle because I have a 73 yellow beetle that I still drive around on a regular basis. The beetle is in the shop now, and that's a long story, but uh, it's getting some necessary engine repair. Engine out, transmission out, and uh, wheels off, and it's up in the air. Uh, I just want to close by saying uh, you can simply go to jibontheweb.com and uh, learn uh, about how to connect uh, via the various different uh, uh, music or radio aggregator apps or listen there you get to see the title and artists of the songs as well as hear the music right there on the screen in front of you on your computer well warren thank you very much and we'll talk to you again real soon and i gotta go figure out what's wrong with my phone now <laughs> well good luck hope you are able to figure it start. out okay have a good night <laughs> bye-bye all right adios good night well, that's going to wrap up another edition of Online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM and Fayette TV Channel 77. Hope you enjoyed the show. As you can tell, the music has started and we are out of here. We'll talk to you next time here online with Bill Alexander broadcasting from the Phil Giannetti Motors Studios high atop High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to VisitWilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace. Yours. Here, our waters are splashing and rejuvenating. Our history is for seeing and experiencing. Our theme parks are for riding and sometimes flying. And our great outdoors are yours for exploring and restoring. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.